Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show. This is 2017. I hope you've enjoyed this season so far. Tonight's episode, unfortunately, we're missing the 1937 uh, episode for this season. We'll miss a few episodes in 1937, unfortunately. Hopefully someday we'll find them. Uh, but so tonight we'll only be presenting two episodes where we usually present three. Our two episodes tonight, our first one is, of course, the Jack Benny Show, and it's him golfing, and I love to hear him golfing. I think golfing works better for me on radio than television uh, because I think on television they've always had trouble presenting golf film-wise and getting the scope and beauty of the golf course and I don't know making you feel like you're there I feel like today with HD and Ultra HD and the wonderful colors and everything that it would be fun to see a Jack Benny show on a golf course now I think it would be really impressive but uh, when they redid these shows for TV, they, of course they have black and white and low resolution and just didn't work as well, I don't think, as it did on radio. Now, as his guest today, he's going to have George Fazio, who is a famous golfer. I don't know that much about golf. Uh, my assumption is, as guest stars go, a lot of you might be going, well, I don't know who George Fazio is. Uh, but anyway, he was... Um, great golfer that was in uh, the Masters Tournament, I guess, from 1947 until like 1952, which is quite a few years. So this is at the beginning of his truly big success as a golfer. And then after this, he would go on to retire from golf, but design golf courses all over the country, apparently. And he was famous for his sand pits being in the shapes of things like a um, one of them's like a butterfly shape and he did sand pits that were in the shape of um, shamrocks things like that so kind of cool stuff anyway so he's on the Jack Benny show and then on uh, someone missing on the Jack Benny show is Frank Nelson will not be on the Jack Benny show today but he will pop up over on Phil Harris's show now on Phil Harris's show, I did an intro, and you'll hear my intro all about Frank Nelson, and we have an and we have an interview with Frank Nelson that was done by Chuck Shaden that we have a clip of that we'll play for you. And throughout the, my discussion of the episode, I'll talk about how lousy the sound is. Just ignore that because when uh, we did a nice upgrade, sound upgrade this year on that episode, much 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 better sound. Um, no problem with sound at all. In fact, both these episodes sound marvelous, so I think you're going to enjoy both of them. Okay, now for some really good news. Don't get announces very often, so I love it whenever I can. This uh, is an announcement about a Jack Benny book, a new book coming out this week. So I hope you'll all get a chance to uh, pick up this book. Uh, I can't at this point give it my ultra full endorsement yet I love Catherine H. Fuller Seeley the author she and I have been exchanging emails back and forth I mean she's fabulous the book is is a 
what an academic look at Jack Benny's career. And so, um, I, I just need to, I don't have a copy in my hand yet and I want to take a look at it, but if you're a person at all that, that likes Jack Benny and wants to get all the Jack Benny books like I do, you're going to want to get a copy of this. Um, and as I get my own copy here soon, uh, I will start reading you selections from it and then you can decide whether or not it fits for you or not. Let me read you what it says about it anyway. The book is called Jack Benny and the Golden Age of American Radio Comedy. And it says about it, The king of radio comedy from the Great Depression through the early 1950s, Jack Benny was one of the most influential entertainers in the 20th century of America. A master of comic timing and innovative producer, Benny with his radio writers developed a weekly situation comedy to meet radio's endless need for new material, at the same time integrating advertising into the show's humor. Through the character of the vain, cheap everyman, Benny created a fall guy whose frustrated struggles with his employees at uh, addressed mid-century America's concerns with race, gender, uh, commercialism, and sexual identity. Catherine H. Fuller Seeley contextualizes her analysis of Jack Benny and his entourage with thoughtful insight into the intersections of competing entertainment industries and provides plenty of evidence that transmedia stardom, branded entertainment, and virality are not new phenomena, but current iterations of key aspects in American commercial cultural history. Ah, that's a mouthful. Anyway, the covers looks good. <laughs> and of course, Buck's going, wow, that's great. But look at the cover of the book. <laughs> covers got Jack laughing at the script. It's one of my favorite pictures of Jack, so she picked a great cover. Uh, and so I'm happy with that. Um, I, um, my feeling is I've read a chapter of the book and I really liked it. I mean, I'm going to love this book. Um, my guess would be if you like, well, really, if, if you've read all four of the books that are out on Jack Benny, uh, Irvin Fine's book and Milt Josephsberg's book and Jack's book and Mary's book, then you're probably going to love this book and you should get it. Um, if you don't have those books uh, or you don't have much in the way of reading about Jack Benny, you might want to wait until I get a copy in my hands and I read you a few uh, ex excerpts from it and so you can decide, oh, is this a book I want? Is this a book I don't want? Um, but anyway, I will link to it. It comes out uh, later this week on Kindle anyway. The hardcover and paperback I think are coming around out at the same time, though it doesn't say the exact date on Amazon yet, but they're all available to pre-order on Amazon. So, the prices. Are you ready? I'll hit you with the first. <laughs> Here's the price that Alice Faye would probably be interested in paying. She would buy the hardcover version for $85. Probably Dennis would use a week of his pay to buy the paperback version, which is $34.95. And I believe he was getting $35 a week was the joke. And, and so uh, that would take basically his whole wages. He'd get to keep a nickel. What a deal. Uh, they're both available with Prime. 
shipping and all that sort of thing on Amazon. And the version that Jack would probably buy would be the Kindle version. The Kindle version is $19.22. And the Kindle version comes out on October 17th, 2017. So this upcoming week, uh, you can get a chance to pick that up. And uh, you might want to buy it that way and see how well you like it. And maybe you like it well enough that you end up buying the hardcover version for $85. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'll link to, to, to the book and you can take a look at it and see what you think. Um, I think you will enjoy it though. Uh, without further ado, we should probably just get to the episodes. I told John that I would talk about myself in the podcast, uh, cause I haven't done that in a while. Um, I'll tell you what, I will tell you one thing about me that I've never shared before, I don't think, since doing the podcast, because it just came up this week. I realized, as I was going looking on Facebook, there was somebody posted a Power Records record uh, of Man-Thing, and it, which was a Marvel comic back in 1974. Actually, it came out, the issue in, uh, that I'm talking about came out in May... May of 1974. Um, anyway, this particular issue, it, 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 they, they created into a Power Records, which was where you had a comic book with a record that came with it, and the record would read the comic book for you. And I love these things. And I had all of the different Power Records that you could buy, basically. And the Man Thing one was my favorite. It was also the scariest one. It was also the most adult. <laughs> <laughs> somebody it was great somebody was making a joke about the pitch that they would use to sell this back in the day you know if they were in a joking way they were saying oh yes we're making a record for children let's make sure that we have uh, a scary clown that wants to that that has suicidal thoughts and uh, and, and, a, and a flaming car crash and uh, anyway, uh, lots of violence and whatever, which is what this does have. So um, what I'm going to do, because I, because I really think when I go back and I look at my progression of things and I'll connect it all together in the, a few weeks later for you, John, when I have more time and I don't want to take everybody's time on this episode. I already covered enough ground. But I think that was part of the linchpin that made me get into old-time radio was these power records. So I found the audio for this. So since we're missing Jack's second show for tonight anyway, I'll throw it on the end. And uh, so after you're done listening to uh, the Phil Harris show, it'll go right into the power record presentation um, with a character the clown character is named Daryl, and that's my first name. And so, it, and it's the only place my I spell Daryl D A R R E L. Almost everybody else spells it with two L's, or they spell it with a Y, or whatever. This comic spelled it exactly like I spell it, and I was blonde, and the character was blonde, the the clown, and so it's like weird similarities. Anyway, um, so it really stuck with me over the years. And it really is basically a suspense-type episode in a way. And I don't think you need the visual of the comic necessarily, but I will also link to um, a YouTube video of it that has the comic on display while it's reading through the record, so you can 
look through the comic if you wish at the same time. Anyway, that's enough of that. A little tidbit into my psyche. <laughs> and let's get into the psyche of Jack Benny. Um, one, through Kathy's book, if you get a chance to, to pick that up this week, you really should. Two, through listening to Jack Benny tonight and, and go golfing with Jack. So let's go golfing with Jack and then head out with Phil Harris and uh, his guest, Frank Nelson. Enjoy. The Jack Benny Program, presented by Lucky Strike. When you buy, keep your eye on the red bullseye. Keep your eye on the red bullseye. When you buy, keep your eye on Lucky Strike. L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. At 57, Lucky Strike presents The Man Who Knows, Mr. Henry Snell of Lexington, Kentucky. With 32 years' experience in handling tobacco, this warehouse owner said recently, Season after season, I've seen the makers of Lucky Strike buy fine, mild, ripe tobacco. At market after market, experts like Mr. Snell, Men who really know tobacco can see the makers of Lucky Strike consistently select and buy that fine, that light, that naturally mild tobacco. So, when you buy, keep your eye on the red bullseye. Keep your eye on the red bullseye. When you buy, keep your eye on Lucky Strike. And remember, L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So smoke that smoke of fine tobacco, Lucky Strike. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, the last few weeks, Jack Benny has been taking his golf game very seriously, playing every day. In fact, right and early this morning, Jack and Rochester got in the car and started for the Hillcrest Country Club. This is going to be a lovely day, Rochester. I can feel it. Uh-huh. You know, fall is the nicest season of the year. Uh-huh. And it's so, it's so invigorating early in the morning. Uh-huh. <laughs> What'd you stop the car for? I gotta lift up the door. We ain't out of the garage yet. <laughs> oh, yes, these Quonset huts are so long. <laughs> now, Rochester, go straight down Rexford and turn right on... No, no, turn left on Wilshire Boulevard. I don't want to pass Pico and Sepulveda. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, Rochester... Fall is my favorite season, when the leaves start turning golden brown and the fragrant breeze wafts them gently to Mother Earth. And at the close of each day, as the sun sinks beyond the horizon, it seems like some elfin painter has gilded the sky and left it glowing with a hundred brilliant colors. Ah, what fools men are, not to halt their breathless pace and admire the beauties of nature. Rochester, what are you stopping for now? I gotta open the gateway and out of the driveway. <laughs> oh, yes. I better hurry, Rochester. I'm supposed to meet... What are you looking at? There's smoke coming out of the exhaust pipe. Huh? Let me see. 
Oh, that's just a little smoke. A little? If we could get this thing off the ground, we could do sky riding. <laughs> oh, it's all right. Come on, let's get going. You know, I'm supposed to meet Phil Harris at the golf club at 10.30. Oh, boy, I can hardly wait till I get out on that course. The way I've been playing lately, I bet I'll... Oh, oh, Rochester. Rochester, pull over at the curb and slow down. Pull over. Oh, miss? Oh, miss? Going down Wilshire, miss? Drive on, Rochester. <laughs> Never give up, do you, boy? <laughs> Rochester, I merely wanted to give her a lift. You know, it never hurts to be kindly and lend a helping hand to those less fortunate who haven't got a car. Someday the tables may be turned, and I might... Get lost! The tables may be turned, and it might be me who's in the same spot. <laughs> I wonder why that girl wouldn't... Could understand it if I wasn't good looking or something. You know? Maybe it's the car, boss. Why don't you trade in for a newer model? What for? This car always takes us where we want to go. I know, but look how much older we are when we get there. <laughs> What's the difference? That's the trouble, Rochester. Everybody's in a hurry. Everybody's rushing through life. They don't stop to enjoy the beauties of nature. Like now, it's fall. The leaves are turning golden brown, and the fragrant breeze wafts them gently from Mother Earth. And at the close of each day as the sun sinks beyond the horizon, it seems like some elfin painter has gilded the sky and left it glowing with a hundred... Boss! Boss! Stop! You're upsetting the motor! <laughs> I guess you're right. And Rochester, drive more in the middle of the street. The falling leaves are denting the fenders. <laughs> Maybe I will trade this in. Oh, Rochester! Rochester! Pull over to the curb again. It's the same girl, boss. We ain't passed her yet. <laughs> I don't mean her. The one on the corner. Going down Wilshire, honey? Yeah, thanks, Mr. Benny. What? <laughs> Dennis, what's the idea of wearing a green dress? Oh, I'm not wearing a green dress. I'm standing behind a mailbox. <laughs> mailbox? You better wear your glasses, boss. Last week, you almost picked up the sunset bus. Yeah. I thought she was winking at me, but it was the taillight. <laughs> Hop in, Dennis. Okay, thanks. Dennis, would you like to come along with me? I'm going to play... I'm going to Hillcrest to play golf with Phil. Well, that's where I was going, and Phil Harris promised to caddy for me again. Phil Harris caddies for you? Yeah, and he makes it so easy for me to play the game. All I have to do is carry the bag, tee up the ball, and Phil hits it for me. Dennis If he doesn't start hitting him better, I'm gonna get a new caddy Dennis Dennis Boy, boy Look at me Huh? Let me explain something to you When you carried the bag, Phil wasn't caddying for you You were caddying for him I was? Certainly Gee, how I ever got two shows, I'll never know it's amazing. Rochester, turn on the radio. We ain't got no radio. Then sing something, will you, Dennis? I can't stand any more of that talk. Okay.
down at Maury's to the place where Louis dwells. To the dear old temple bar we love so well. Sing the whiffin' poops assembled with their glasses raised on high. And the magic of their singing casts its spell. Yes, the magic of their singing of the songs we love so well. Shall I wasting and mavurnin and the here, Rochester, and I'll meet you on the first tee. I'm having lunch uh, with Miss Livingston. See you later, Dennis. Hello, Mr. Benny. Hello. Just Molly and me and Fibber McGee. We're happy with our new Hooper. La, 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 a turn to the right, and Harris is tight. <laughs> yeah, I wonder where... I wonder where Mary's sitting. Hello, Jack. Oh, oh, hello, Mary. I thought you were going to be alone. What? Who are your friends? Those are my golf clubs. Put on your glasses. <laughs> oh. Oh, I wondered what they were all doing on one chair. <laughs> the Niblick... <laughs> the Niblick looks like Abe Lastvogel. Mary... <laughs> 
Mary, did you order something to eat? Yes, and I ordered a sandwich for you, too. Good, good. You know, I can hardly wait to get out of that golf course. I'm playing Phil today. Oh, Jack, you shouldn't play against Phil. He's too good for you. What are you talking about? You know what I'm talking about. Look how George Burns beat you yesterday. Well? And the day before that, you took a trimming from Cagney. All right, Cagney, so I was off my game. What about last week when I played O'Brien? But, Jack, you're so much bigger than she is. <laughs> When she sunk that 20-foot putt you got so mad you kicked her doll in the sand trap. Who wouldn't be mad? Every time I got ready to drive, the doll would go, Mama, Mama. What tricks those kids use. And for 10 cents a hole. <laughs> You'd think that... Oh, Mary, Mary, there's Lou Clayton and Artie Stebbins. Gee, they're great golfers. They hit the ball almost every time they swing at it. And Mary, look, look, there's Norman Krasner over there. Norman Krasner? Yeah, he's the fellow that loved that joke I told last year. You know, the one about like a moose needs a hat rack. Oh, he was crazy about it. He was? Yeah, watch this. Hey, Norman, like a moose needs a hat rack. time I mention it, he goes crazy. I never saw anything like it. Hey, hey, there's Don Wilson sitting at the next table there. Where? Right over there. Oh, waiter! Waiter, will you take my order, please? Yes, sir. Uh, what'll you have, Mr. Wilson? Uh, now, let's see. I'll start out with a bowl of oxtail soup and a combination salad. Oh, a nice thick sirloin steak and mashed potatoes, some string beans, some carrots, and a side order of spinach, a little cauliflower, and uh, some hot rolls and coffee. Yes, sir. Any dessert? I don't know. What kind of pie have you got? Apple, blueberry, peach, custard, raisin, and pineapple. Good, I'll have them. <laughs> yes, sir. Did you hear that, Mary? How can Don digest all that food? Well, don't you remember, Jack, last summer he was operated on? Yeah, what do they take out? Nothing. They put in a deep freeze. <laughs> That's pretty good, Mary. Deep freeze. Hey, Norman, did you hear that? <laughs> I knew he'd like it. Well, I better get going in that locker room and... Oh, Mary. Mary, there's George Fazio. He's the pro out here at Hillcrest. Remember last year, he won the Canadian Open. Oh, yes. And, Mary, I've been taking lessons from him, and what he's done for my golf game is simply wonderful. Oh, George! George, come here a minute, will you? Hiya, George. Hello, Jack. <laughs> George, George, I was just telling Mary how much you've helped my game. I'm glad I have, Jack, and thanks for the check. Oh, that's quite all right, George. It was money well spent. You know, I'm going to play Phil today. Phil Harris? Yes. Well, do you think you can keep him interested in the game? <laughs> what do you mean? The last time I played with him, I had to paint the ball green and put a pimento in it. <laughs> oh. 
I'll bet he didn't have the heart to hit us. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to meet him in the locker room. Oh, boy, I can't wait to get him out on that course. Do you remember all the things I've taught you, Jack? Oh, sure, sure, George. Well, let's find out. Your stance? Feet apart. Your grip? Interlocking. Your age? 38. <laughs> Well, I gotta run along now. So long, George. So long, Jack. Mary. <laughs> Mary, I'm going into the locker room and get dressed. If you want to watch us play, I'll see you on the first team. Okay, Jack. Hey, oh, Jack, where are you going? I'm going to the locker room to meet Phil. Oh, now, wait a minute, Jack. I, I have something here that I want you to hear. Come on over to the jukebox. What? There's a brand new number the Sportsman's Quartet recorded, and it's all about a pack of Lucky Strike cigarettes. Don, my quartet recorded a song about a pack of Lucky Strikes? Yes. Well, I gotta hear that. Wait till I get a nickel. Hmm. That's funny, I can't seem to find a nickel in your pocket. <laughs> oh, well, here's one of mine. <laughs> Don, that song is about a pack of Lucky Strikes? Yeah, where do you hear it? About a pack of Lucky How can they? Pack all my heart pack. I love you, we'll never part I love you, I always knew it would be you Since I smoked your fine turbacker it's your Red Bull's eye I'm <laughs> When I'm alone Die. I puff you How I have grown Die. To lust you Lust you, you. always be L-S-M-F-T F-T 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 Don, the record stuff I'll fix it Never mind, I'll hear it later F-T What a song that was. Hey, Sidney! Sidney, where's Phil? Well, he'll probably be here in a minute. Well, I'm gonna get into my golf clothes, get these clothes off. A pretty girl is like a melody. Hey, Jackson, stop parading on that bench. This ain't no runway. <laughs> Oh, hello, Phil. I'll be ready to play in a minute. Uh, hand me my robe, will you? Which one is yours? The red one with the royal crown cola on it. <laughs> Thanks. Say, Phil, how about a little bet on the game? Ten dollars. You know, just to make it interesting. Ten bucks? Okay, but you know, I haven't played for three months. I won't be able to hit the ball. What's the difference, Phil? It's only fifteen dollars. Come on. <laughs> Look, Jackson, I'm tired. I didn't sleep good last night. You know, that floor is awful hard. Phil. Phil, you slept on the floor last night? Yeah, it's the first time I ever missed the bed. <laughs> what? You know, them single beds ain't easy to hit. <laughs> they are if they're standing still. <laughs> now, come on, let's go play. And, Phil, it's not my fault you haven't played golf in three months or that you didn't sleep well. Remember our bet. 
$20. What? Hi, Mary. Hello, Dennis. Sorry we kept you waiting. Well, holy smoke. Get a load of those old-fashioned knickers. These knickers are all right. And that cap hanging over one ear. You look like Jackie Coogan and the kid. All right, all right. Now, come on, let's play. You shoot first, Phil. Okay. Here's your driver, Phil. Thanks, kid. Now, stand back, everybody. Four! <laughs> wow, look at that ball go! Look at it go! Look, look. <laughs> 200 yards at the most. Can't understand it after the awful life he's led. <laughs> well, it's my turn now. Rochester, tee up my ball. Yes, sir. A little higher. Higher? It looks like a lollipop now. <laughs> I guess it's all right. Well, here goes. Quiet, everybody. Four. Mm. <laughs> I fanned it. That's one stroke. Don't count out loud. <laughs> I must have been standing too far away. There. That's better. Four! <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Darn it. Another fan. I guess I'm holding the club too tight. Well, I'll get it this time. Four! Hmm. I fanned it again. It ought to be cool now! Boss, hit it! <laughs> How can I hit it with all these interruptions? Everybody yelling and screaming at me. Now, here it goes. Four, four! What are you fouring about? There's some people standing down there on the green. Well, you won't be there till Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, watch this. Four! Wow! <laughs> what was that? You broke a window in the clubhouse behind you. <laughs> behind me? Gee, I, I can't get rid of that slice. Oh, well, I'll take a four on this hole. <laughs> Come on, everybody, let's go. Remember our bet, Phil, five dollars. Five dollars? You said 30. I said 15, you cheat. <laughs> now, come on. All right, stand back, everybody. It's my turn. Darn those birds. I wish they'd stop singing. They're throwing me off my game. Maybe they don't know you're playing for money. You can pipe down, too. It's a fine country club, anyway, with birds all around. And trees and grass, it's awful. Oh, keep still. Hey, what hole are we on? We just finished the seventh. How do we stand, Mary? Uh, there's just one point between you. Good, good. Phil has 28, and you have one 28. <laughs> Well, there are two more holes. I've still got a chance. I don't like this club I'm using. 
Hand me my spoon, Rochester. You broke it over my head. I'm on the last hole. <laughs> oh, yes, and give me my brassy. This is the worst game I ever played. Thank heaven it's not for money. Wait a minute. Keep quiet. I'm going to shoot. All right, stand back, everybody. Four. God darn it, what's the matter with me? What did I do that was wrong, Mary? You never should have left Waukegan. <laughs> I mean, what's wrong with my game? Rochester, you've seen me play better than this. A uh, hell? <laughs> yes. What am I doing that's wrong? Are you right-handed? Yes. Are you using right-handed clubs? Yes. Well, that ain't it. <laughs> Dennis, when I want your advice, I'll ask for it. Hey, Jack, here comes Mr. Fazio, your golf teacher. Oh, yeah. Well, Jack, how's your game going? I want my money back. That's how it's going. <laughs> Fine teacher. Oh, come on, Jack. Hit the ball. It'll be dark pretty soon. Okay, okay. Four. Where did it go? Where did it go? Where did the ball go? There it is, by your left foot. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Congratulations. It was by your right foot when you started. You don't have to get cute about it. Pardon me, boys. Do you mind if I go through? Why, no. No, lady. Go right ahead. Gee, she's pretty old to be playing golf, isn't she? She sure is. How old are you, lady? 83. Well, well. Go right ahead. Let's see you hit the ball. Take it easy now. Four. Well, I'll be done. Yippee, I'm on the green. Thanks, boys. You're welcome. <laughs> Gee, 83 years old, and look at her hit that ball. She isn't a day over 70. <laughs> well, I'm too upset. Let's finish the game tomorrow, We're Phil. finishing it right now. Now, go ahead and shoot. Okay. Now, quiet, everybody, while I make this shot. Four. Wow, look at that ball go. Yeah, right in the woods. What a slice. Oh. Well, come on, Rochester. Let's look for it. Oh, Jack, you'll never find it. I'll find it. Don't worry. I'll join you on the fairway. See you in a minute. Gosh, it's dark. That ball must be around here someplace. I wish I had a flashlight. Why don't we go home, get a good night's sleep, and continue the hunt in the morning? We're going to find that ball tonight. That's what you said last night. <laughs> last night? Have we been here two nights? And three days. <laughs> well, what's the difference, Rochester? It's fall. The leaves are turning golden brown. The fragrant breeze wafts them gently to Mother's Earth. And at the close of each day, as the sun sinks beyond the horizon, it seems like some elfin painter has gilded the sky and left it glowing with a hundred million. Jack, we'll be back in just a moment. But first, when you buy, keep your eye on the red bullseye. Keep your eye on the red bullseye. 
Keep your eye on Lucky Strike. L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco, and fine tobacco is what counts in a cigarette. Lucky Strike presents The Man Who Knows. Mr. James Walker, independent tobacco buyer of Durham, North Carolina, has bought tobacco at more than 3,000 auctions. Recently, he said, Season after season, I've seen the makers of Lucky Strike buy smooth, fragrant, fine tobacco that makes a real fine smoke. So it's only common sense for me to pick Luckies for my own cigarette. Smoked them for 17 years. A Lucky Strike smoker for 17 years. That says it. So when you buy, keep your eye on the red bullseye. Keep your eye on Lucky Strike. And remember, L-S-M-F-T, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So smoke that smoke of fine tobacco, Lucky Strike. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. Yes, when you buy, keep your eye on the red bullseye. Keep your eye on Lucky Strike. Well, I can see better now that the sun's coming up. The ball landed right here on this side of the bush. Or was it on the other side of the bush? No, I guess it was right here. Say, boss, how would you like your eggs? Scrambled soft. Okay, I was lucky I found that bird's nest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how would you like your bacon? Bacon? Where'd you get that? I brought it with me. This happens every time. <laughs> oh, yes. Now, let's see. If the ball hit this tree... It would have landed over by the bunker. This is NBC, the national broadcast. Hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. And I know some of you may be saying, does he have a good podcast for us today? And all I can say is, ooh, do I? Yes, I have a good podcast for you today. Uh, Frank Nelson is going to be the guest on the Phil Harris and Alice Faye show tonight from 65 years ago, and I think you're going to really enjoy it. Frank Nelson, if you don't know, of course, is the wonderful actor who is often most closely associated with the Jack Benny show, in that he's the one that Jack goes up to and says, Mr., Mr., and then Frank Nelson will respond with, Yes? And then go into a whole bit of uh, <laughs> definitely being very condescending to Jack. And have the, he just, it's a wonderful piece of acting. Now, uh, Frank Nelson has said that uh, he kind of got stereotyped in that role for years and years afterwards. He kind of wished that he would have um, been able to continue to do the broad character work that he had done in the past. But he was also thankful that he got a consistently called up to do that, to do that wonderful voice that he does of the Frank Nelson character, whether it's the um, floor walker in the Jack Benny shows, or the doctor on so many Jack Benny shows, or in this case, um, a real estate salesman. But he does a just a, a great job with this with this role and any role that he's in, where they ask him to do. Um, some piece of the character from the Jack Benny shows. Today, I thought I would bring you, um, if I have the time, I'm not sure I'm going to have time to put this together, I'll bring you a little clip of a, of a Frank Nelson interview, and then I will also put a link to the show to the entire interview. Um, 
And if I have the time, uh, I, because this show is not the highest of quality anyway, um, I will tag on to the end of the episode the entire Frank Nelson interview so that you can listen to the show and then keep on listening and you'll hear the Frank Nelson interview. Uh, I, I just, I think Frank's, he's just a wonderful uh, person to listen to in interviews. If you ever get to hear more of his interviews, he's um, he's just uh, full of life and full of interesting tidbits. So without further ado, here is Frank Nelson, Phil Harris, Alice Fay, Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, uh, with a wonderful wonderful episode that's not the greatest sound quality, but you know, that's the way it goes. We have what we have of the Phil Harris and Alice Faye show from 65 years ago. Enjoy. See you next time. Oh, pardon me, sir. Yes? Can you tell me where I can find Frank Nelson? No, can I? <laughs> you are Frank Nelson. Yeah, I think I am, Jack. There is no doubt about it anymore. What a familiar sound that is. Well, we did it for, well, I did it with Jack for, uh, 37 years, so uh, that's uh, kind of a long 37 years. Time. Mm-hmm. When was the first time you worked with Jack? Uh, I worked with Jack. Uh, first broadcast I ever did with him was in June of 1934. No kidding. Uh-huh. That's right. Oh, my that's, God. Uh, at that time, he was a five-minute insert, doing a five-minute insert for an Eastern show. And uh, they had a little sketch where he was coming to California, and he meets this fellow on the train. And he's telling him what a big shot he uh-huh. is and how he's going to California and he's uh, uh, going to do great things out there. And he says, you know, you're a very personable young man. He's possibly I could do something for you. He says, my name's Jack Benny. What's yours? And I said, Clark Gable. <laughs> and that was, that was the opening sketch that we did. <laughs> and you were a regular with him uh, all along? Huh? Uh, well, I started out, I guess, in the first year or two, just doing casual things with him uh, here and there, and uh, then finally it grew into a regular character, and uh, I was with him for many years under contract. We lost a great uh, entertainer, didn't yes, we? Yes, we did. Yeah. We lost a fine man, too. I'd like to find out what it took to put on a, a Jack Benny show. Jack Benny show was really quite easy to do. I'm talking now from uh, the actor's standpoint. Obviously, the writing was meticulous. Uh, Jack honed a lot of that writing. He uh, sat with the writers a great deal. Mm-hmm. He, uh, If it came down to a rock-bottom decision as to a joke in or out, it would be very often Jack's decision that made uh-huh. that uh-huh. happen. And uh, But for an actor, it was a very simple show to do. You, you'd go in, we'll say on Saturday, You'd read through once. Just sit down, read the script straight through, get up and leave. And you'd come back in on Sunday. You'd read once around the table, go and read it once on the mic, and that's all until showtime. And uh, it was just that easy to do. So the whole uh, thing was really right in there with the writing. Well, it was that and also (laughs) that Jack knew his people, and they wrote for those people. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jack had a great, great thing that I don't think any other comic in the business had. If you were to pick up a Jack Benny script and read it, you'd say, well, wait a minute, where, where are Mr. Benny's jokes? Because Jack didn't do jokes. He didn't do, he did looks, he did takes, uh, he fed, really, you, uh, the, the actor around him. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's the way he conducted his show. The big jokes were in the hands of the people who surrounded him, which was most unusual. 
and it showed that he had uh, tremendous confidence in himself because there were a lot of, uh, I could name one and I won't, but uh, there was one man uh, who was very famous as a comedian and uh, when you would do the dress rehearsal, if you had a big joke that got a big laugh, when you came back to do the show, you didn't have that joke, he had the joke. <laughs> and uh, Very often he couldn't understand why the joke didn't play on the show like it had in the rehearsal. And the reason was it was built for you and it wasn't built for him, but uh, he, he never learned that lesson. But Jack, on the other hand, had no such insecurity, and so he gave those jokes to his people. He surrounded himself with characters that people expected to hear also. When yeah. As soon as he said, oh, mister, people said, oh, boy, here it comes. He's going to get it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, if he said, uh, uh, excuse me, and the fellow said, see... He says, oh, boy, here, here it comes. Yeah, now they're yeah. going to do that routine. The people were in on it, and I think they enjoyed being in on it. And uh, I guess the fact that the show stayed on top all the years that it did proved that. How long was he on? Uh, well, how long were you with Jack on radio? Through the whole radio? Through thing, the entire radio time, yes. I, that's, uh, that, of course, as I say, was mm -hmm. just an insert on an Eastern mm -hmm. show. But uh, from the time he started his show out here, I worked with him. I did not work regularly right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I worked just spasmodically. But uh, after about two years, I guess, I was pretty pretty steady. Uh, we'd do 39 shows in the season, and I'd usually do, oh, anywhere between 25 and 30 of those shows. So That's pretty, pretty regular, consistently. yeah. You made a nice, easy move into television with him then? Yes, well, television came along, and, hmm. you know, you, you had to go with it. I, uh, I'd kind of wish this business were still here, and I kind of think it would have been if we hadn't had the same people in charge who were going to be in charge of television. I'm talking about the <clears throat> networks. Yeah. I'm talking about the ad agencies. Because I think then you'd have seen a, a big fight between the two. I think they would have each fought for their share of audience. And I believe today there is a very definite place in this country uh, for good radio. Uh, you know, a lot of people in the big cities think, oh, well, I turn on television. I've got seven channels to choose from, as we have here. More than that, I think, in New mm -hmm. York. But there are many parts of the country where uh, they can't even get television and many parts where they have their choice of one. And uh, I think that radio gave them a great deal more than television in those areas, certainly. But I guess the networks aren't much concerned about that because they're making more money this way. Well, but see, radio is in itself an art form, yes. if you want to get real heavy mm -hmm. about it. But it, it should be able to provide the, uh, the public with comedy and mystery. That's and right. It, it, there should stories. be a great deal more variety than there is today. Today, we, we have talk shows, we mm -hmm. have news. Uh, but we're, 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 we're the kind of things yeah. that we did in radio before. They're gone. F.W. Fitch Company, makers of Fitch Shampoo, presents the Fitch Bandwagon with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Janine Roos, and Whitfield, Robert North, Walter Scharf and his music, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. Forty-two prizes each week for you. Just tell why you like Fitch Shampoo. To introduce Fitch's new cream shampoo, and for those who use dandruff remover shampoo, we're sponsoring our third big weekly contest. Prizes include... 
One new Fraser Manhattan four-door sedan. One new Kaiser sedan. Five universal electric ranges. Three Amana home freezers. Two Voss electric washing machines. Thirty universal electric blankets. Easy to enter, easy to win. Get paper and pencil ready. We'll give contest rules and the address now and repeat them again later in the program. Here's all you do. In 25 additional words or less, complete one of these statements. I like Fitch's dandruff remover shampoo because... Or, I like Fitch's cream shampoo because... That's all. To each entry, attach the round paper disc from top of Fitch's cream shampoo jar or carton top from Fitch's dandruff remover shampoo or facsimile. Mail with your name and address to Fitch Shampoo, Box 1723, Chicago, Illinois. There's plenty to write about. Fitch's cream shampoo leaves hair far softer, shinier. It's made with both lanolin and olive oil. Lanolin to soften, olive oil to bring out those sparkling highlights. Forty-two prizes each week for you. Just tell why you like Fitch shampoo. Last week, Phil Harris was voted a stockholder in the Fitch Company. However, unbeknownst to Phil, he was voted only one share. Thinking he had a large block, he went on a spending spree. And now, as we look in on the Harris home, we find Alice berating Phil for his reckless spending. But, Phil, you shouldn't have spent money you didn't have. You should have waited until the Fitch Company sent you the stock. Well, how did I know they were going to hold it in trust for me so I couldn't get my hands on it? Besides, what did I do that was so terrible? All I did was go out and buy a few little things for you, baby. A few little things? You ordered six fur coats, two cars, all kinds of jewelry. And, and what on earth was in that barrel that came yesterday? Ten gallons of Chanel number no. five. <laughs> well, I opened the barrel and it didn't smell like Chanel number no. five. It didn't look like it either. It had foam on top. <laughs> I know, but that's a lot of perfume, honey, and the only thing I could find big enough to hold it was an old beer keg. Makes it easy to get at. All you do is just got to turn the tap and the stuff comes right out. <laughs> oh, gee. Lucky me, I'm the only girl in the world who has perfume on draft. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Phil, you're sweet, but you overdo everything. Like the presents you bought the children. Even they think you overdid it. I don't believe it. Hey, kids. Yes, Daddy? Uh, Alice... Do you and Phyllis like the party dresses I got for you? They were nice, Daddy. But don't you think we're too young for strapless evening gowns? <laughs> oh, well, how was I to know that the kids didn't like that kind of stuff? I liked mine, Daddy. I wore it to nursery school, and all the boys whistled at me. <laughs> oh, Phyllis, Phyllis, stop fibbing. You didn't wear it, and you know it. I bet if I did wear it, they'd whistle. Now, never mind. You got plenty of time for that. Well, I'm sorry, Alice. I meant well. And another thing. The children wanted a little sand for their sandbox. And what did you do? I ordered eight truckloads of sand. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Nothing. Nothing. Except they dumped it all in the backyard and the place looks like the Sahara Desert. Oh, stop exaggerating, Sahara Desert. There ain't that much sand back there. Well, all I know is the gardener refuses to cross the lawn until we get a camel. It's a fine state of affairs When a guy can't spend a few bucks on his family Without them ridiculing him Oh, it's just the way you spend it That I'm objecting to Well, you even took an option on a mansion in Beverly Hills And 
Talked about putting our house up for sale. But no harm's been done. I canceled the furs, the cars, and the jewelry, and I told the guy I didn't want the mansion in Beverly. Well, how about the sand? They're picking that up tomorrow. <laughs> Mommy, can we go out and play in the sand before they take it away? Yes, go ahead, children. Oh, children! Yes, Mommy? Be careful of Arabs! <laughs> Don't be so funny. I've learned my lesson. Oh, the only thing you did that really bothered me was when you talked about selling this house. But I was only talking, honey. Well, I wouldn't think about selling this place. I would... Oh, it's a phone. I'll get it. Oh, that may be the plumber, Phil. I called him this morning about the bathroom sink. He said he'd call back. Hello? Hello, Mr. Harris. This is Mr. Thomas down at the real estate agency. Has anybody shown up yet? <laughs> Shown up for what? To buy your house. The ad you told me to put in the paper is attracting a lot of buyers. Buy my house? Holy recording Patrillo. <laughs> oh, gee, I forgot to cancel that. Hey, look, Thomas. Hey, Thomas, now look, I've changed my mind. My house ain't for sale, and you've got to yank that ad out. I'm afraid it's too late, Harris. It's already appeared in the morning's paper, and you'll have a lot of people looking at your house today. But look, I... I just sent somebody over to look at the place, a Mr. Morgan. Morgan will be there any minute. Goodbye. But Thomas, I... Thomas. Oh, he hung up. Oh, what a shamil I am for forgetting to cancel that ad. <laughs> Now, if Alice finds out the house is for sale, I'm really a dead duck. I got to keep any buyers away from Alice. Who called, Phil? Called, uh, uh, oh, uh, call, uh, it was, uh, President Truman. <laughs> President Truman? Yeah, Margaret's singing at Carnegie Hall and wants to know the words to Darktown Poker Club. <laughs> Such a clown. Was it the plumber? Oh, yeah, the plumber. Why didn't I think of something as simple as that? <laughs> hey, he said they're sending a man over. Well, what time will he be here? Uh, 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 I don't know. Let's forget about the plumber. What were we talking about before the phone rang? Well, I was saying how much this house means to me. It has so many wonderful memories, Phil. Honey, remember the day you told me you were going to buy this house for me? Remember how excited I was? Yeah, you were so shaky, I had to steady your hand so you could sign the check. <laughs> I couldn't be happy anyplace else. We started our life together here. The children were born and raised here. And besides, I want to stay and grow old here. You better start aging faster, you won't make it. <laughs> no, what I mean is, is look, uh, how long can you live in one place? I mean, if somebody did come and make us a good offer, we might We're be... not selling our house, and that's final. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go upstairs and write a few letters. And when the plumber gets here, tell him it's the bathroom sink that needs fixing. Okay. Uh-oh, that must be Morgan. I gotta get there first. I'll answer the door, honey. I'll get it. Oh, stop running, Phil. I'm right here at the door. I'll answer it. it must be the plumber. How do you do? <laughs> And my name is Morgan. I was sent I know. Over by... I've been expecting you. Just go right upstairs to the bathroom. <laughs> well, that's very hospitable of you, madam, but I've had a... <laughs> I bathe every day, sometimes twice a day. Well, I imagine in your sort of work, you have to. <laughs> 
<laughs> My work has nothing to do with it. I happen to be very fastidious. Now, if you don't mind, I'd like to come in and look things over. Very well, but first, don't you think you ought to go out to your car and change your clothes? <laughs> change my clothes? Well, yes. You're dressed so neatly. I, I don't want you to get your clothes soiled. Don't you think you ought to put on a pair of overalls before you come in? Why? Is your house that dirty? <laughs> now, just a minute. You're the most insolent plumber I've ever met. Plumber? Madam, I am not a plumber. I'm here in answer to the ad. What ad? Oh, yes, yes. I got it, honey. It's the ad. I know the ad. Uh, you see, honey, I put an ad in the paper for a musician. I need one for my band. When did you begin using musicians in your band? <laughs> I am not a musician. That reference is good enough for me. You're hired. <laughs> now, bring your trombone to rehearsal tomorrow morning. Goodbye. Now, look, I have no intention of playing with your orchestra. I don't know a bassoon from an oboe. You don't have to. We don't use none of them string instruments. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow at rehearsal, Morgie. So long. I am not leaving. If you and Mr. Morgan will excuse me, Phil, I have to write those letters. I'll be upstairs. Yeah, you run along, Alice. I'll try to talk Morgan into doing the same thing. I'm not running along until I see this house. Beat it, Bob. The house ain't for sale. Beat but it. But the ad said it was. It said it was for sale for $20,000. It said it was open house today, and by George, I'm no. going to see it. <laughs> Get lost, bud. Get lost. Beat it. That was a close call. I wonder how many people saw that ad. If they keep coming in all day, I'll be... Uh-oh. Uh, that's Morgan again, huh? Well, there's only one way to handle this character. I'm going to have to get tough with him. Now, look here, Junior. I... Hello, big boy. <laughs> and I wish you wouldn't shout at me, see? <laughs> Because I'm... I'm very sensitive, see? What's the matter, kid? You in pain? <laughs> now, uh... Don't get gay with me, Goldilocks. I read the house was for sale, and I came to, uh, Look it over. Well, look, uh, honey, that's a mistake. Uh, it, it, it's not right. The house is not for sale. The ad said it was, and I'm coming in, see? <laughs> You're not coming in, see? <laughs> Who says I'm not coming in? Phil! Alice says you're not. <laughs> Now get going while your motor's still running. Phil, who is that woman? And don't tell me she's a trombone player. Oh, that woman? Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. You see, I entered the Fitch contest and she was one of the 42 prizes. Stop stalling, Phil, and tell me who she was. I don't know, Alice. So I... Uh, hey. Are you a little jealous? Why should I be jealous of her? She had nothing I don't know I thought she had a kind of a pretty face Oh, I didn't think so 
Well, what did you think of her figure? I thought it was abominable. Never mind her stomach. What did you think of her... <laughs> But Phil, sometimes you make me so mad Uh, 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 temper, temper, temper Remember the article about us in the new True Story magazine Says we never fight Oh, never mind I'm going in and get lunch ready Phil, you're positively incorrigible Now, wait a minute, honey Don't go calling me names like that I'm sensitive about the way you talk to me And you've got to stop picking on me Because... I don't mind you telling me that I'm as tacky as a man could be. I reckon you were justified. But I never thought you'd promenade to and fro with the carriage trade. Now you've gone and hurt my southern pride. When you took my honeysuckle vine over the Mason-Dixon line, I didn't take it teary-eyed. But I never thought I'd ever tag you with a Yankee scalawag. Now you've gone and hurt my southern pride. Saucy, prissy, bossy, missy. Sashaying all around as if you own the town. Playing possum, a little magnolia blossom. You'd better mend your ways, settle down. Well, shut my mouth and fan my brow, having a heap of wearies now. I hope that you are satisfied. Oh, I never thought the day would arrive when my honey would be in a new beehive. Now you've gone and hurt my southern pride. I'm feeling kind of poorly. I'm feeling mighty blue. Plum tuckered out with worry. Cause me and my sweetness are through. You're saucy and prissy and bossy and missy. Sashaying all around, but over do as if you own the town. Playing possum, little magnolia blossom. You'd better mend your ways, settle down. When Pappy said you'd take my dough, wasted away and off you'd go. I stood right up and took your side. But you headed north when the moon was low with the money I stole from the Benny Show. Now you've gone and hurt my southern pride. the most hectic meal I've ever eaten. Phil, why do you make a dash for the door every time the bell rings? Look at you now. You're poised like a sprinter, ready to take off. Stop exaggerating. I just happen to like to drink my coffee from a crouching position. <laughs> Gee whiz, Alice, you'd think I was trying to keep something from you. You can answer the door anytime you want. Well, I tried to, but every time the bell rings, you jump up, give the table a push, and pin me against the wall. <laughs> I think maybe it's just because you're a little nervous today. Why don't you go in the den and, and read your book or something? All right. I guess I am a little unstrung, but I don't like all those strange people coming to the house. Well, I don't like it either. And neither do I. After all, I was here first. <laughs> Mr. Morgan, are you still here? How'd you get back in? But the kitchen door was open, so I walked in. I almost didn't make it. I got lost in the backyard. Lost? Yeah, the wind came up, and I got marooned in a sandstorm. <laughs> and now, if you'll excuse me, I'd like to look at the bedrooms upstairs. I'll see you later. Phil, are you going to let him go up and look at our bedrooms? I have to. He's a musician. Well, what's that got to do with it? <laughs> what? 
that got to do with Them it? Them guys got a strong union. <laughs> oh, what a madhouse. I'm going in the den. And if anybody else shows up today, I'll... Take I'll, it easy, I'll, take I'll, it easy. Now, nobody else is gonna show up. I'll get it, I'll get it. Oh, oh, I'll get it. I'll get rid of whoever it is. Hey, whoever's out there, go away. <laughs> go away. No, we don't want any. There's nobody home. You can't come in. Open the door, Curly. This is Frankie. Oh, oh, oh. hiya, Frankie. That's a fine way to treat your secretary, telling me I can't come in. <laughs> I'm cut to the quick, Curly <laughs> Well, I'm sorry, Frankie, but I'm all upset That's no excuse As your secretary, I'm entitled to be treated more humanely <laughs> If a stray dog comes scratching on your door, you'd let him in, wouldn't you? <laughs> of course Well, I'm as good as a dog, ain't I? <laughs> well, ain't I? <laughs> Oh, Frankie, stop it. I told you you can come in, so come on in. Beg me a little. <laughs> what are you acting like a prima donna for? I got a right to. When you didn't get that Fitch stock last week, who, who had to do your dirty work and take back all that stuff you ordered? I had to take back fur coats, jewelry, and that 10-gallon keg. By the way, what was in that keg? Chanel number five I gotta order some of that stuff It was the nicest smelling beer I ever tasted <laughs> Frankie, you shouldn't have drunk that That's perfume It is? No wonder my girl kept asking me to breathe on her earlobe <laughs> Will you stop making with the gags, Remley? I ain't no mood for them What's the matter with you today, Curly? I am morose <laughs> I can't tell you Why not? I don't know what that word means <laughs> Look, Frankie, I've done something awful And if Alice finds it out, there's no telling what she'll do She might even leave me So what? What if Alice does leave you? You don't need her, there are plenty of other fish in the sea Find me a mackerel with a shape like hers and I'll listen to you <laughs> If you're not going to pay any attention to me, I'm leaving But I'm warning you With a wife, you've got to assert yourself you gotta stand up to it Tell her off How can you talk like that? You're not even married That's why I can talk like that <laughs> well, Maybe Frankie's got something at that, you know He might have something I gotta stand up to Alice and tell her the truth And then when she finds it out, I know she won't mind Ah, uh, gee, she's a wonderful kid And she's sweet as sugar Phil Harris, this is the last draw I'm so mad, I... Uh-oh, the I... sugar's starting to ferment a little, honey <laughs> Hey, what's the matter, honey? Oh, don't you honey me That Morgan friend of yours just broke into the den and chased me out so we could measure it If one more person comes into this house today, I'll... Don't worry, I'll... Alice, nobody else will come in It's getting late now Whoops, there's the doorbell, I'll get it Oh, holy smoke, it's a mob this time I came to see the house I was here first How is the plumbing? Got any termites? Let me in, I want to see the place. Stop pushing, will you stop pushing? Where's the down here, madam, you're standing on me Phil, what's all this racket out here? I, Phil, what are all these people doing? Why, it looks, it looks like a tour A tour? Oh yeah, that's what it is, a tour I thought we could pick up a little extra dough Letting tourists go through our house So they could see how the movie stars live 
a tour through our house. That's right. Okay, step right up this way, folks. On your left, we have Alice Faye, the blonde bombshell of 20th Century Fox. Watch this little girl, folks. Just watch her as she shivers. She quakes, she quivers, and she quakes, and she shivers, and... No, wrong spiel. Oh, for heaven's sake, Phil, what's going on here? We're here to see the place. We'll go up and look the bedrooms over. Yes, and I'm anxious to see the den. Come on, come on. Yes, yeah, well, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You people can't go through my... Phil, are you going to stand there and allow this? What does all this mean? Oh, now, Alice, it's nothing. You know how, how people are. They're just being neighborly. They're just dropping... Whoops, there goes that doorbell again. I'll get it. Alice, you tripped me. I know. This time I'm answering the door. Well, what do you want? Uh, Alice, is that any way for you to talk to your brother? Oh, I'm so sorry, William. Come in. Good afternoon, Philip. <laughs> Briefcase is here again. <laughs> Alice, I am a little annoyed with you. After all, I handle all your business affairs, and I should have been consulted before you put your house up for sale. For sale? For sale? For sale. Go ahead, Alice. It's your turn again. <laughs> Here's today's paper with an ad saying your house is for sale for $20,000. Alice, I'm pretty close to you, and I should have been consulted. Well, I'm even closer to me than you are, and I wasn't consulted. <laughs> know who could have put an ad like Phil Harris. <laughs> oh, pardon me, folks. I got to go in the kitchen and drill some holes in the Swiss cheese. <laughs> Come back here. So, that explains all those people here. How could you do this to well, me? Wait a minute. I can explain. It was all a mistake. I told the real estate man last week to put the ad in and I forgot to cancel it. Oh, Phil, you're impossible. You certainly are. How can anybody be that stupid? It's easy once you get the knack of it and shut up. <laughs> William, it's been a miserable day. People traipsing all over the house, the bell ringing every two minutes, and Phil running for the door like a scared rabbit. You're exaggerating. I haven't been running. I just... Whoop! There's the back door. I'll get... <laughs> hey, what am I running for? She knows about it now. Now, who is it this time? It's Julius Abruzio, the grocery boy. Well, what do you want, Julius? Water! Water! I must have water! <laughs> What's the matter with you? I just came across your backyard and I almost died of thirst. <laughs> What's all that sand doing out there? None of your business. What do you want? My, my, aren't we testy today? What's the matter? Did you sleep on your bobby pins last night? <laughs> Don't get gay, Junior. What are you doing here? I'm delivering the vegetables and I... Oh, hello, Miss Faye. Hello, Julius. Why, Miss Faye, you've been crying. Your lovely blue eyes are red. What's wrong, soulmate? No, it's, it's nothing, Julius. But it is. I know it's your husband. This beast here has been beating you. Who, me? <laughs> yes, you, you fiend. You've struck the woman I love, and there's only one thing I can do. Sir, I challenge you to a duel. Take that. Julius, stop slapping me in the kisser with them wet turnip greens. <laughs> Control yourself. Mr. Harris hasn't been beating me. It's nice of you to come to my defense, but I really don't need you. You don't need me? But if I can't save you, there's no use going on. I know what I'll do, and I'll do it now. Holy boy, I'm on Capitaine. 
What's with this Mon Capitaine? Where are you going? Out in the backyard and join the French Foreign Legion. Oh. <laughs> I wish I could go with him. Wise guy, one of these days I'm going to light up that little punk. Phil. <laughs> Phil, I want you to get all of those people out of this house. Hold on, Alice. It's not as simple as that. Philip quoted the price in his ad, and if anyone meets that price, according to law, he must sell. Oh, no. Now, how are we going to get rid of them? If we make an offer, we'll have to sell and... Well, wait a minute. They wouldn't make an offer if they thought the house was run down, would they? That's it, honey. All we got to do is tell them that the joint ain't no good. It ain't fit for human consumption. <laughs> Here comes the thundering herd. Let's go into our act. I'm very much interested in this house, and I'm thinking of buying Just a moment. I want to buy it, too, and I'd like to make the first Please, offer. folks, please, now take it easy before you make any offers. Wouldn't you like to see the rest of the house? Yes, wouldn't you like to see the cellar? Yes, I'd like to see the cellar. Oh, before we do, I ought to warn you, it's a little damp down there. Oh, that's all right. I don't mind a little damp. Let's go down. Very well. Phil, is the lifeguard on duty down there? You mean your cellar gets flooded? Only when we turn the faucets on in the kitchen. Well, why should that flood the cellar? No sink. <laughs> uh, pardon me. Oh, it's you again. Yeah, it's me. Where do you keep the towels? Oh, you'll find them in the linen closet. Thanks. Hey. Who is that? <laughs> well, we don't know. He comes, he comes in every Sunday and takes a bath. And if you want to buy the house, why, he goes with it. Uh... Well, that reminds me. I didn't see the bathroom, and I'm very anxious to see it. <laughs> because I'm a man who likes to take a shower every night. Well, in that case, I don't think you'd like where our bathroom's located. What do you mean, where is it located? Well, I ain't saying, but on a rainy night, you'll need an umbrella and rubbers to get to it. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> well, in that case, I don't think I'd be interested in this place. Neither would I. Well, I'm sorry, folks. Maybe next time. It's this way out. I'll open the door for you. Right this way, please. Think I almost bought this place. What do you expect? I understand this Phil Harris is a hillbilly from Tennessee. Well, they're gone, honey. I finally got rid of them. Oh, thank heavens. Now I can go in and start getting dinner ready. Phil Harris, if you ever pull a stunt like this... All right, honey, stop picking on me now. Everybody's out, and I promise that there won't be any more strangers coming in. Lock-a-boy, lock-a-boy. Who is that? Well, I don't know. He just came in from the backyard. Hey, wait a minute, bub. What are you yelling locker-boy for? Where do you think you are? Ain't this the Pismo Beach swimming? No, it isn't. Get out of here. (laughs) Now, come on. Let's have our dinner, huh? certainly feels nice to be sitting down to dinner with nobody in the house but your own family. All those people... Forget it, Alice. Forget it. They're all gone. Now, come on. Let's enjoy our dinner. Hey, let me help you to some mashed potatoes. I'd like some mashed potatoes, too, Dad. Okay, honey. How about you, Phyllis? I'll have some. And me, too. No gravy on mine. Oh. This is Phil Harris, folks. And now, here are the car winners in our first big weekly contest. The Frasier Manhattan Sedan has been won by Al Herbert, Norfolk, Nebraska. Al Herbert. The Kaiser Sedan has been won by Albert C. Walker, Pueblo, Colorado. Winners of other prizes are being notified by mail. Now, look, everyone has a chance to win. Enter this week's contest before Saturday midnight, and in 25 additional words or less, complete one of these statements. I like Fitch's dandruff remover shampoo because... Or, I like Fitch's cream shampoo because... Send any number of entries, each on plain sheet of paper. To each, attach the round paper disc from top of Fitch's cream shampoo jar... 
or carton top from Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo or facsimile. Mail entry with your name and address to Fitch Shampoo, Box 1723, Chicago, Illinois. That's Fitch Shampoo, Box 1723, Chicago, Illinois. Winners get immediate delivery on... One Fraser Manhattan sedan, one Kaiser sedan, five Universal Electric ranges, three Amana home freezers, two Voss electric washing machines, 30 Universal Electric blankets. Entries judged on originality, sincerity, and aptness of thought. Duplicate prizes for ties, judges' decisions final. Any person in United States or Canada may enter except employees of Fitch, their advertising agency, and families. Entries received after Saturday midnight, judged in following week's contest. Second week's car winners announced in the bandwagon next Sunday. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Power Records presents Man-Thing in Night of the Laughing Dead. The swamp, a bubbling bed of life of which you are a part. Once you were a man, a chemist named Ted Salas, but the syrup was to have made you a super soldier combined with strange forces in the swamp to make you over into the Man-Thing. But your former existence seems a far-off dream to you, doesn't it? Less than a dream, in fact. No longer able to reason, you now function on emotion, those few which you still feel. You can feel what others feel. You can understand those feelings. But emotions are often as ambiguous as words, and sometimes they are even more so. Consider this weeping clown, for example. What does he feel now as he raises a gun to his temple, as the tears roll down his grease-painted cheeks? You may never know. For across the marshland comes a single, devastatingly final shot. That prods you into action. You attempt to hurry to the source of the evil sound. But no matter, you are too late. It was too late before you began. And all you can do is stare through hazy, crimson eyes at the little clown's corpse and reflect on the buried fragments of memories brought to the surface by the ugly sight. You remember how the man you were fought to protect his scientific discovery. You remember more, the blinding moments of escape, the knowledge that he had to destroy the vial, and perhaps, at the same time, destroy himself. And so, Ted Salas did what had to be done. Memory. You recall the transformation, the mingling of the chemical with the swamp waters around him, the stark shock to his metabolism, and the bitter ending of his sanity. Slowly, mercifully, the memories end. And the man who was once Ted Salas, whose body has become that of a swamp-roaming creature, forgets again what once he knew. It's better that way. It's better. As those thoughts fade, your gaze falls upon something at the dead man's foot. But you wonder, could these little scrawls on this thin white leaf explain why the man took his own life? But wait, another flash of recollection from your former life. Foo? Few? Funeral. Humans bury their dead, so this one must be laid to rest. And so you take the body deep into the marsh, while events take shape miles away that will transform this already somber evening into something more terrifying by far. The only rooms left are my deluxe. Come on, Richard, we'll find another... Uh-uh, lady, not tonight. I'm exhausted. I'll just bet. That'll be $22.40, including tax. These two young people are Richard Rory and Ruth Hart. Two old friends of yours, Man-Thing. Well, that was a hassle, wasn't it? I'll say. I'll bet he's a reform school reject. 
But you know, I haven't got the energy to argue with him. Not now. Maybe we can go to the carnival tomorrow. Carnival? Sure. See the trucks over there? They must be playing a town around here. Boss, Mr. Garvey, Daryl's gone. Run away. We've got to go after him. We can't lose the show's only clown. And besides, he was terribly upset tonight. I'm afraid of what he might do. Please, Mr. Garvey, if he does something rash, you'll be out. I'll be the boss of this three-ring loony farm, just like before, you hear? And if you don't like it, you can scram. Holy cow, Ruth. Did you see that? Richard, wait. You don't know... Them's your options, Haley. Either you... Huh? Hold it right there, Buster. Oh, run along, Sonny. You heard the man, Twip. Scram. See? He's the boss. He's my boss. And I don't like nobody messing with my boss. Oh, boy. No, sir, I don't like it at all. Now I'd advise you to blow while you still got legs to walk on. It ain't wise to get Trag mad at you twice. Trag? The world's strongest man? Gosh, that's who hit me. Whoever you are, you've got to get out of here. She's right, Richard. Please, take me with you. Hey, boss. Ayla's leaving, too. Step on it, lover. Trag doesn't look happy about this. In fact, I think he and the boss plan to follow us. I don't care about them. I just want to find Daryl. My poor clown. First, we find another motel. I've got to get to sleep. We can go Clarabelle hunting tomorrow, Miss... You haven't told us your name, Miss, or why you're looking for a clown. I'm sorry, it's Ayla Prentice. I'm a high-wire artist with the carnival, and I'm trying to keep my clown from destroying himself. You see, I love Daryl, but I betrayed him. He stopped laughing, stopped living, just wanted to die. Stop! Pull over there! That's his car! Sure, okay. There he is, and thank the Lord he's alive. Daryl, I'm here. Daryl! Daryl, what's wrong? Can't you see me? It's Ayla. Why, why doesn't he answer? He acts as if he doesn't know who I am. Maybe his mind is just totally snapped. That's so. It's my fault. Whoa, where do you think you're going? It's dangerous out there. Let go of me. I have to go after him. It's my fault. He's like this. Richard, look at this. I think it's a suicide note. Ayla's not exaggerating. The little guy is in a bad way. To say the least. Okay, then. We go. But slowly, carefully. Remember, the next log you step on could have teeth. But as the three young people forge cautiously into the tepid waters of your home, two somewhat more sinister figures race along the swampside highway in pursuit. Sure, I'm sure they took this road. I think. You think? Ha! You don't know how, Trag. Boss, I try. Hey, boss, look at up the road there. It's the clown dancing in some kind of spotlight. Only, where's the light coming from? He don't even look real. Boss, I'm scared. Slow down, you fool. You'll hit him. We don't want to kill him outright. Swerve, you idiot. Swerve. I'm swerving. But we're going to hit that tree. The truck's gas tank explodes on impact vehicle becomes a nova bright inferno and the little clown stands watching gleefully good evening drag how are you i am fine where is garvey <laughs> why you little punk when i get out from under this you'll kill me <laughs> make me die <laughs> where's garvey <laughs> you blasted right i'll kill you 
mad now. Oh, my. <laughs> He's mad. <laughs> but he'll still have to catch me. <laughs> and he can't because <laughs> he's too big and slow and <laughs> stupid. Maybe. But at least I ain't no walking joke. And not too far away. Listen, it sounded like trap. I didn't hear anything. Are you sure? No. It's hard to be sure of anything in here. I didn't realize it would be this dark. There are so many little sounds, so many shadows. It's... Oh! That's no shadow, it's some kind of... Yeah. Oh, whoa! Oh! It's or something. Or someone. It's got down. Holy cow! It's the man thing. Take it easy, Alien. I know this is hard to believe, but that creature won't harm us or death. If that is the clown he's holding, he may be protecting us. Even so, you better not start him. Right. We'll move closer, slowly. And so, not suspecting that the man they seek to save is already dead, they inch their way through the dense swamp growth toward the spot where you stand. The hunk of earth you've chosen for the man's final resting place. And when they push aside the last clump of green, when they see the clown's limp body and the heavy branch in your mottled hand, Ava draws the logical but wrong conclusion and panics. Heedless of the seeming danger you present, she rushes to the side of her fallen friend. Daryl, wake up! It's, it's Ayla! Daryl! You can feel this woman's deep sorrow. Your own head bows. But then, another powerful emotional force makes you whirl, startled. How, how could you? I'd almost come to think of you as human. But now, get out! Get out of here, or else... Anger, aimed directly at you, emanating from a man you assume to be your friend. Why? What did you do? Why does he loathe you so? You cannot reason. And even if you could, you lack the vocal mechanism with which you might explain to them their error. So you merely skulk away. Once you have gone, tears flow copiously. I didn't believe the Man-Thing was capable of this. In fact, it still strikes me as odd that I could face him down so easily. Unless... I never told him how I felt. I'm so ashamed. Oh, wow! How could I have been so blind? Ayla, look. He's been shot. The monster didn't kill him. But that's impossible! We didn't hear any gun go off, and we just saw Daryl alive a few minutes ago. Didn't we? You know, I'm beginning to wonder about that. So am I. We all saw something back there. But what? A ghost, maybe. Come on, Ruth. Under the circumstances, isn't that a little bit morbid? Nice try, Twerp. Play acting that clown's dead to protect them from me. Trag! Come on, clownsy. Stand up and get beat to death like a man, you hear? Stop it, Trag! You can't kill a corpse! Trag, I said stop it! You said? Why should the world's strongest man care what you said? Perhaps you are the reason Trag should care. For despite your puzzlement at his earlier outburst, you still know Rory as a good man. Who's the luck in the gorilla suit? And Trag's assault upon him enrages you. Whoever he is... He ain't on my side, so he must be on yours. So, he's a blasted living slime pool. But if he figures that's gonna stop me, this is a challenge for me. I know I can take any man, but a monster, that's something new. 
I sliced right through him. He has torn from you some small bits of your being, yet still you stand, to all appearances, unharmed. I tore into you, ripped you apart, and you didn't even feel it. You are waiting for one reaction, fear. For if this man, or any man, fears you, your very touch can burn his flesh to ashes. But Trag is not afraid, only amazed. He attacks again. But this time, it is your strength which prevails. And in the absence of fear, you resort to other, even more brutal means to destroy your foe. But the memories return once more, the visions of needless, wanton slaughter. And though your instincts advise you otherwise, you allow him to live. And as you make that choice, the most bizarre event of this night occurs. Holy leaping! Wh what is it? What's happening to him? Or is it happening to us? Are we all losing our minds? The warm night air has suddenly turned chill. As you stare along with the humans at the skeletal specter that has risen from Daryl's lifeless shell. What are you? What do you want? Why? I want to make you laugh. I want smiles and guffaws and grins and good cheer. And most of all, peace. What does any clown want but to make people happy? But I could not go on making others laugh when all I felt inside was pain. When the love I gave was not returned. But now... My soul is free! I shall feel mortal pain no more! And so I can laugh! Laugh forever! <laughs> you look and listen to the specter of a clown before you. And all that you know, Man-Thing, is that never has laughter made you feel so sad.